What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. This episode, I got to speak to two incredible artists who have been on my 101 people to meet for such a long time. Gilla and Mark Shatner, this super inspiring pair behind some of the world's most iconic artwork, have worked together for over 27 years, creating art as one and spreading the love they have for each other with the world. One of the things I admire most of this impressive pair is that they believe and use art as a powerful platform for positive change. Best known for their much-loved characters, Rabbit Woman and Dog Man, who you will find all over the world, Gilly and Mark created these two unlikely companions as a representation of diversity and acceptance. Driven by this mutual desire to change the world for the better, Their most recent project, Statues of Equality, is something that is also very dear to my heart. With gender inequality as one of the most critical issues facing the world today, Gilly and Mark's statues aim to balance gender representation in public art and honour women's contribution to society. In New York City, less than 3% of statues are female, with Sydney and London close behind. In fact, there are more statues called John in the UK than there are of historical women. How about that? Gillian and Mark are on the mission to even out these numbers, starting with 10 larger-than-life statues of inspirational women, including the amazing Oprah Winfrey, Dr. Tara Trent, and Jane Goodall, just to name a few. The women were voted by the public and will be unveiled on Women's Equality Day, August 26th, in New York City. And I cannot wait to be there. In this episode, Gillian Mark gives us an insight into their life, their relationship, and their true passion, which is creating change through their art. You'll discover the power of writing down your dreams, then planning the actions to make them a reality. The benefits of working together for a cause rather than individually. The true power of art as a platform for social change. How to follow your heart and take risks that there really is no right or wrong when it comes to following your dreams. That if you're passionate enough, and if you love something enough, you will be able to make it work, and so much more. I can't wait for you to hear this episode, but I must apologize as there was quite a bit of noise from Gillis and Mark's beautiful gallery in the background of our chat. Hopefully it won't be too distracting and will make you feel like you are right there with us. So hi, Gilly and Mark. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, so lovely, Christina, to be here with you. We're looking forward to meeting you for a long, long time. So here we are. So exciting. First, I'm so inspired by just being around your beautiful art. And I'm so incredibly excited to speak to you about the wonderful work you do, and especially your latest project, which is will be launching in New York very soon, 
the statues of equality. But before we get into all that, I would first love to take you back for a moment and think about what dreams you had as kids. So did you have a dream as a child, something you wanted to do or something you wanted to become? I know it's going to sound really corny because that's what I am now, but my dream my entire life was to be an artist. And I was never sure that that was going to happen, mainly because I think my parents were a little bit more old school and they said to me, art's not really going to get you anywhere. You're not going to be able to earn money from it. So it's not necessarily going to be able to be your career. It can be your hobby, but not necessarily your career. So in the back of my mind, I thought that it was just a dream and it would never really happen. Yeah. Wow. How inspiring that is. <laughs> Fortunately, Julian and I are exactly the same. So art was actually my savior. When I was young, my sister had leukemia and uh, I'd spend a lot of time by myself. And my father gave me a notebook when I was about four years old. And then my parents left. So I really had the notebook to entertain myself. And I, I learned how to draw and imagine the world as I, I saw it. And it was my escape and also just my sort of comfort. And so from that day onwards, it was really the fact that I could draw and, and paint and imagine things was, was life as I knew it. And I always dreamt that one day I could do that as a career. And haven't you achieved that? It's an amazing, <laughs> it's so nice to hear some of the guests that I have had have had different dreams and completely ended up some, somewhere really? else, which is of course fun yeah. because we change and we evolve. But it's really nice to hear that you both had that dream. And, and it's so nice you're talking about a notebook, because being a paper girl, yes. <laughs> it's nice to, because I think a lot of ideas start in a, in a notebook away from technology. and, and, uh, and we, we still life. do that. Yeah, we make sure everybody has a, a notebook. Yeah. Sometimes it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> and we get them to, to actually write down ideas and not put them on the computer or on their, um, on their phone. Because I think the idea to see it in print in front of you is kind of inspiring in itself. Mm. And every morning we have a, a whip and we get everyone to write down any ideas they have and they go through it in the morning. And it's kind of like the best time of the day for mm. us. And even when we're traveling, we take our notebook with us and we do sketches and we write things down. And I think because we're so visual, it's just something that kind of just syncs with us. And yeah. that's what we're always dragging around with us. In yeah. fact, that's what, we, that's what we're doing all day long, isn't yeah. it? Drawing and writing things down. So. Yeah. 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 You are affectionately referred to as the world's most loving artist. <laughs> and you have worked side by side for 27 years. Is that yes. correct? Oh my yes. God, that it's crazy. What? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you can't tell. Just yes. becoming grandparents yes. and you look so young. Can you tell us how you met and about how your incredible journey started and what led you to where you are today? Yes, it's incredibly romantic. I was traveling around Asia and I ended up in Hong Kong and I was engaged to someone at the time and things weren't 100% with him. And then I ended up, I was just doing odd jobs on the side in Hong Kong and I ended up on a modeling shoot with Mark and the minute I saw him, my heart stopped in the elevator. I thought he was a hairdresser at the time, but I still kind of got this feeling of wow when I saw him. And then we were up all night filming and shooting and I said, oh my God, this, this man's amazing. And I already immediately had feelings because Mark is the first person in my life who was able to really talk to me. And I felt really, really comfortable around him. So it was just an amazing bond straight away. And then the next day I rang him to get the tear sheets and we stayed up all night talking. How long were, how many hours were we in that? All night. Restaurant all <laughs> night talking. And that night he also, you were engaged to someone else as well, weren't you? Someone else, yes. <laughs> At that night we already kind of knew that we were going to be together. It was literally instant, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember saying to my flatmate when I brought Jilly home for the second day, I said to him, that girl's about to walk through the door. I am going to marry her. Seven days later, we decided to go to Nepal, mainly because my girlfriend, who's obviously the ex-girlfriend, had a, a mental attack at me. <laughs> and so I had to leave, leave Hong Kong. We went to Kathmandu and then Pokhara. eventually went to Pokhara in the foothills of Everest. When we got there, this is like 27 years ago, we said to the lady that ran the hotel, like, what does everyone do here? And she said, a lot of people come from all over the world to get married. And at that moment, I looked at Jilly and I said, shall we get married? And Jilly said, yes. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) This is the basis of everything that we do in our lives. We don't give things too much thought, which is not always good, but sometimes it's great. And so I said yes. And the next day we went out and got all of our Hindu outfits, wedding outfits made and created. And then we woke up at five in the morning to have our Hindu wedding in Nepal. We didn't tell our parents, we didn't tell anyone very naughty and we got married there in Nepal and it was amazing wasn't it it was amazing but also here's a bit of a life tip for everyone listening people often ask how do you know if it's the right person and the answer to that is you know and if you have any doubt at all it probably isn't Mm. because for me without any doubt when I met Julie I just knew I was going to be with her for the rest of my life Mm. and we have been that's so true. inspiring. That's very true. Thank you for sharing that. That's the first, first life tip. That's starting really, really well. So, but actually, tell us a little bit more about. So, you, so obviously, you met, and then both of you were artists. Yes. Obviously, done a bit of research, and what I find super inspiring, which I actually didn't know until I started doing more research, is that you actually work on the same painting. We do now, yes, but we didn't always. So when we first met and we stayed up all night and found out everything about each other, we realized we had identical interests across the board. And the main one obviously was art, the the fact that we both love to do art. And at that time, we were both doing our own art. And we kind of continued doing our own art and having our own exhibitions separately for a long, long time. And in the beginning, it was fine. But over time, we started we started to notice that our styles were getting similar and he was going, are you copying me? And I was saying, are you vice versa? (laughs) And so we started getting a bit competitive. Um, And then when we started to... And insecure. uh, And insecure probably (laughs) as well. Then when we started to have exhibitions again, you know, if one sold more than the other or whatever, you do get that feeling of insecure, like Mark said, insecurity. And then in 2000 and was it 2005, we entered the, decided to enter the Archibald. We decided we were all sitting at home one day with our children and we were all chatting about what we could do to enter the Archibald. And then our kids said, why don't you try doing something together? So at that point, we decided to join forces and that was the first time we painted on the same canvas together mm. and, and when i say painted the same ca- canvas julie's left-handed and i'm right-handed mm-hmm. so it was a- okay for julie to stand on the left-hand side and for me to stand on the right-hand side and it was just a- an experiment is this possible to take two people with different ideas and actually have the one sort of vision and because we've been painting next to each other in the studio for so many years we were just kind of really like-minded and so literally julie started painting and i started painting and when it came to together, we had this beautiful portrait of John Conrad, who's an Olympian swimmer. And uh, we sent that off to the Archibald. Three days later, they gave us a call and they said, amazing news. You guys have got into the Archibald, but we don't understand why there's Julie Shatner and Mark Shatner, (laughs) because only one person can enter the Archibald. And then we said, yay, we're in. But um, they're very confused about the two of us. And so he said to them, no, look, both of us have painted this together. We, our names should be on together. And they said, well, maybe you take off the, the, the Shatner part because it's too long. Just shorten it. And so we said, okay, it's just Gillian Mark. Mm. And that was really the, the start of Gillian Mark. And also the fact that we were able to paint together and be considered as an entity. Yeah. And you know what? From that day forward, we never looked back. We were, we always did everything together. And it was so much better in every possible way. Because I think also when you're throwing up ideas with another person, you get such a better idea at the end, like just yeah. a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Because all your ideas come together and you get just this one, wonderful idea at the end. Yeah, and, and to Julie's point, which is a life tip number two, is the philosophy of us has always been one plus one equals three. So the sum of the parts is always greater than the individuals. And that's never been more true with us because I can tell you, I'll have half an idea, but only with Julie does it actually become this full idea. And I'm so grateful that we've got each other to to make that happen. Mm. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. And I love that one plus one it's equals true. three because we often talk about that too. Yes. And it, you know, it takes a team. Yeah. So it does, it does yeah. take a team. Yeah, yeah. it really does. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful story. <laughs> so I'd like to talk a little bit more about how you guys are working together in terms of obviously a life partner. I'm going to come back to that because I want to talk a little bit more about the sculptures. So your wonderfully inspiring sculptures and paintings can be seen in art galleries and public sites in over 250 cities around the world, yep. with the most iconic of those being the rabbit woman and dog man. 
Can you share a little bit about the idea behind these two unlikely characters being friends and what they symbolize for you and to the world? So basically the characters are autobiographical. So I'm Rabbit Woman and Mark, she used to be Rabbit Girl, but we'll get back to that later. She's now a woman. (laughs) Uh, And Mark is uh, Dog Man. And basically we have become soulmates even though we're very different. So I am Catholic and Mark is Jewish. I'm from England. He's from Australia. We both came from completely different backgrounds. But even though we had so many differences, we still became soulmates. So the rabbit and the dog we chose because in the wild, the dog would chase the rabbit and kill it. But in our world, we're best friends and soulmates. So they really are there to symbolize diversity and love and friendship and, and, and acceptance more than anything else. And, you know, true love and our story. We paint them on their journeys. We paint them in their dreams. We have a whole initiative called Travel Everywhere with Love. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think I think what's really quite nice is that Rabbit Man and Dog Man are biographical and they weren't always. They were kind of like these fictitious characters. But the more and more we got to know them, the more we realized that we want them to be our alter egos. And when I say alter egos, it means they can do all the things that we dream to possibly do. Mm. And it's kind of a beautiful circle because they're, they're more confident than us. They're crazy than us. They can go to more places that we can go to. So we let them do all that and then we try to catch up to them. Mm-hmm. So they'll go to a cool country and we'll go, okay, they've gone there first and now we'll actually uh, try to get there as well. And they ride zebras. They ride zebras and, <laughs> and most often they do. So we kind of get to dream yeah. through our alter egos yeah. and then hopefully we get to live out those dreams to some degree mm-hmm. as well. And also we get to overcome some of our own fears because they can say things and do things and be things that we normally can't. Yeah. And so it gives us a license, going back to what you're saying, a license to sort of dream, which is kind of, which is kind of sort of really nice. Mm. Part of the initiative, which is really, really cool, is that when we started putting the dog man and rabbit woman in the public, they were naked, they were nude. And in the very, very beginning, we got a lot of criticism for that, yeah. which is disappointing because we always said, you know, the Statue of David – goes back 500 years, commissioned by the Catholic Church, and he was nude. Yeah. And he's considered to be one of the most, the greatest artworks in the world. You know, fast forward 500 years, we should be more progressive understanding society. But, you know, we've had the penis of the dog cut off and removed, told that he can't be in certain places, um, that it was vulgar, that it was disgusting, they were naked, we had to put clothes on them at, at certain stages. And so... Isn't it crazy? <laughs> yeah. And then and then an amazing thing happened, a turnaround. So from a lot of people saying, we don't understand this art, it's kind of grotesque, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people started loving it and bringing it clothes and dressing it and dressing it up for different holidays. And they became kind of like these loved um, characters. Mm. And we said, this is quite powerful because in this world of diversity where everybody just trying to look at the differences, all of a sudden these two unlikely characters are being accepted and loved. Not only that, are kind of being dressed up. And we said, isn't this a fantastic metaphor? If the world can accept a weird-looking rabbit and a weird-looking dog, then surely they can accept people from every country and every race and every sort of colour. And out of that was born this sort of exhibition, global exhibition of movement. We wanted rabbit and dog to welcome everybody and basically say that if rabbit and dog are okay here, then so is everyone else. So it was like a, a welcoming um, sculpture, if you like, to say this place is safe, this place is free of racism or bigotry or anything like that. And, you know, you mentioned they're all over the world now. Mm. They're in some of the weirdest countries and uh, they really are a beacon of hope and unity and acceptance. Mm. Yeah, such a beautiful story. Yeah. So we created the hashtag travel everywhere with love. So every time someone sees the sculpture or sits with them and has a coffee with them or takes a photo with them, they can tag it. So yeah. we get these incredible photos every day of everyone interacting with it, like around the world. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of amazing. That's so nice. We'll Stop. make sure we have that tag mm. on our show mm. notes so we okay, can cool. get more people spreading the word. I love that you use your art as a powerful platform for change, from spreading awareness, donating to charities and working with authoritative bodies to bring about positive change. When was it that you decided you could make a real difference in the world through the art you create? So obviously the story you just told, but I, one thing that I absolutely love that I also didn't know, it's so that's why I love doing a podcast because you get to know things that you didn't know. And the, I love the Red Cross project that you guys oh, yeah. did. Oh, yeah. That was so beautiful because that really That was is the so- first time that yeah, we realised that our art could 
be a medium to change something. And that project was the most emotional thing we had oh, ever I done. Bet, yeah. Bet. So and tell us, maybe tell the listeners, because obviously yeah, of course. I just got to learn about it and it was so, it was so inspiring. Oh, One, because yeah. it was, you actually put, so I'll let you explain it for yeah. every listener. But what I loved about it was that you actually painted the dreams that they had. Yeah. Obviously exactly very, right. very yeah. attached to anything that has to do with dreaming. Because sometimes when you are in the situations that those people would have been yeah. in, it's impossible to even see it. Mm-hmm. And that you guys created a platform to visualize that was just it was just yeah. really touched my heart. So tell Thank tell everyone you. about that. No, it was a it was an amazing amazing project. We worked very closely with the Red Cross and they what year was it? 2005, 2004. 2004. Yeah. And the idea was is that we wanted to to interview and then paint 10 very, very sick individuals that were waiting for an organ that was going to save their life. And exactly like you said, we the Red Cross found us these individuals and we tried to do a different organ as well, just so it was, um, you know, diverse. Yeah. And we went to meet these people. So, for instance, we met a young gentleman that was waiting for a kidney and we asked them what their dream was when they get there, when they got their organ. We made a film of it as well. So, we, it was um, a whole day event. And at the time, our kids were very young, so we had to leave them with our family and we would take the whole day out to, to meet with their families and stay with them and film them and really get to know them and it was hugely emotional and we you know we ended up in tears because a lot of these people were close to dying they didn't have that organ and they were on a waiting list but yeah, so, I, think, I think also just yeah. on that, uh, just, to, just to give a bit of context for it, what we realized, and Julie used to be a nurse as well, so it was it was really important for, for Julie because she had that medical connection, was that uh, Australia in 2004 had the lowest organ donation rate of any Western country in the world. So we were appalled by the fact that you know if you needed a kidney in Australia, you're probably in the worst country in the world to receive one. Well, only because it's not automatic science. Yeah, so actually physically, you have to make the decision to, to put your name down to donate your yeah. organ, whereas I think in most countries it's automatic. Yeah. We're disturbed and upset, and we said we can be like everyone else and go, this is pretty terrible, or we can go, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And the only thing we knew that we were good at doing is doing art. Mm-hmm. So we said, I wonder if art can actually save lives, and that was our premise. Mm-hmm. And then we said, let's do this project, and it's called Life Can't, Can't wait. wait. And Life Can't Wait because these people, if they don't get an organ, most of them will die or they all will die eventually mm. and then actually said mm. we started going up um, with the red cross and uh, meeting the most incredible human beings in the whole world but they're all in death's door mm. every single one of them mm. if they didn't get a heart they'd die if they didn't get a kidney they'd die if they didn't get a liver they'd die some were children yeah, some, there, were, there was one little baby. baby that was waiting for a liver and another one that was waiting for a kidney. So they were all super sick. So we got to meet the parents and, yeah, the whole thing was very emotional. Yeah. But, the, but the end result was huge. And that's what was so amazing is that we had an exhibition and people were there. We were creating awareness. Everyone was there signing up. And a lot of the people that we interviewed also got their organs as well. And then, 16 of the 20. Yeah, 16 wow. of the 20 got their organs in the end. So it was an amazing success and then the paintings ended up being circulated and they still are now in the hospital so it was a pretty incredible project and it was the first of our kind to really utilize our art to to try and get changed and to try and you know really tell a message a very powerful message and then as you mentioned as well Mm. um, um, part of the idea was sitting down with them like you're Mm. doing now Mm. and going what is your dream and we said to them you are going to get we're really positive the whole time we said you are going to get an organ Sometimes mm. they were crying and they had their family around them. And we said, no, you are going to get an organ. And when you get an organ, tell us what you're going to do mm. that right now you couldn't. And most of them were in, mm. in hospital beds. And they had – there was one, one guy who, who was a dancer, was a famous guy, dancer. Yes, he was – Miguel, right? Miguel was a famous yeah. dancer. Yeah, and his dream was to dance again. So we painted him jumping up in his dance move. That was his And he was on a machine most of his life. Yeah, and even when we were there, he was on dialysis. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and then there was another lady that was waiting for a heart, a lung transplant, and she said she used to be able to run, and her dream was to run. So we painted her with her sneakers. And yeah, it was really lovely. It yeah, was really, it was really just amazing. Such an inspiring yeah. project. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it's just so beautiful. But then you're right. We realised then that I mean, our question was, can art save lives? Mm. And we realised art can do almost anything, mm. and that gave us the belief in doing these projects. Yeah, so beautiful. 
You guys are so inspirational. Let's talk about something I'm yeah. incredibly excited about now, and I'm sure you are too. Your latest project, the Statues for Equality, and that's how I really um, I wanted to uh, have you on the podcast sooner rather than later, just because I want to help you guys get as much awareness oh, as, 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 as possible. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that everyone Thank listening will be really mm. part of this. Cool. So your 10 incredible bronze sculptures will be unveiled in New York City on the 26th of August, recognizing 10 amazing women for their contributions they made to our world. So for our listeners who may not be aware, those 10 incredibly deserving women are the amazing Oprah Winfrey, Pink Nicole Kidman, Jane Goodall, Kate Blanchett, Tara Trent, Janet Mock, Tracy Dyson, Cheryl Strait, and Gabby Douglas. I might not say those names perfectly with my Swedish <laughs> English, but I hope everyone I didn't yeah. mispronounce too many of them. What an amazing lineup. I'd love to know how this project came about and also how the women you, you'll be immortalizing in bronze, how they were chosen. Well, I think it came about because, as you know, Mark and I, as well as doing our own personal work, we also do a lot of work through commissions. Yeah. And we, went, we started to notice over the last... 10 years. 10 years, that all the commissioned works that we were doing were of men. Of such bronze statues. Bronze statues. So of famous historians or teachers sports or stars. sports. Yes, yeah. all men. Yeah. And we thought that that was very – we started – in the beginning we didn't really think about it, but then over time we started to notice that yeah. there were no women were in the mix. None. Yeah. And, and, and for no reason other than, you know, especially even with sports, you'd have famous sportsmen and there'd be men commissioning us to do it. And there was no mention of a woman or a woman's sports or that wouldn't even get a spot in the public. So then we, so then, so then we did a bit of research and we realized that in, in the US, only 3% of all of the statues were women. Yeah. And then we started doing more research worldwide and we realized it was the same everywhere. Yeah. yeah so it's 4%, and it was 4% in London. It's uh, 4% in Sydney. So it's quite amazing that in these advanced countries that there's supposed to be some sort of equality, that you've got the most public of all statues. So recognizing uh, importance, success, mm. and yet, you know, 97% are male, 3% are women. So it's, mm. it's, it doesn't even make sense. And it's such a tragedy and no one is doing anything about no. it. So we thought, let's change that. Yeah, let's try that. and balance gender representation in public art by doing 10 sculptures. Yeah. And we will take that 3% in New York up to 9% just with our sculptures alone. Yeah, amazing. Except already so many other people are jumping on the bandwagon. So it'll end up being so much yeah bigger than that. So we decided to do a poll. So we did a Facebook poll yep. and we put it out there asking people to nominate their inspirational women. Yep. And that is how we came up with the first 10 women. Oh. And a lot of people ask us that. And it's very, very important for us to tell the world that this is just the beginning. Yeah. And we didn't choose these women. They were the top ones that were picked on the poll. Yeah. And obviously long-term we want it to be diverse and all-inclusive. Yeah. So this is just the start. Yeah. yeah. And also the part of the criteria was we didn't want people just from just to be film stars or celebrities. So we've got people – so Tracy Dyson's first female astronaut. Um, Gabby Douglas, Douglas is a um, gymnast. Jane Goodall obviously is a conservationist. So it was really looking at all walks of, of life to having that representation. And as Jolly said, the list now has grown to thousands of women that are on our website mm -hmm. that people have nominated. This woman needs to be recognized. This woman needs to be talked about. And part of it is what you're doing now, which is we're so grateful for. It's a conversation just to recognize women's achievements. And what Julie and I, you know, are very, very aware of, that when, you know, young girls and young boys are walking in the streets and they're looking at statues, until now they've looked up and only seen men's faces. Mm. And what that does is says, says to them that success is a man. Mm. And we're going to change that to say that isn't the face of success, that women are also the face of success mm. and you as a young girl can also be that. Mm. And that's why it's so important because it really shows the values of our society. And unless we do something about that now, we're going to keep replicating um, the idea that we have an unbalanced world. Beautiful. I absolutely love that. And obviously, I think it was on your Instagram that 
you guys asked who the favorites of the paintings were. So there's also the paintings versus Yes, this we've also it. done yeah, the paintings, yeah, which yes. I love. Yeah, and obviously, so I, I said I love them all, but yeah. obviously, <laughs> I'm very uh, biased to, to, uh, to my yeah. dream soul <laughs> yes. sister, Dr. Tara Trent. So, so nice. I'm going yeah. to be there on on the day uh, when you guys so, are oh, launching. That's lovely. So that's, super excited mm, about that. Yeah. That's on Women's Equality Day. So that's yes. 26th yeah, twenty sixth of August. Yeah. So we're gonna. It's an yeah. important day. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna. We will put a link to that as well. So and like Mark um, says, also Christina, we have the Statues for Equality website, and we have a nominate page where everyone can nominate who they think should be the next statue as well. Ah, so beautiful. we're hoping it will just keep, yeah, you know, keep continuing. Mm. And you should go on and have a look. Everybody's writing about who should be nominated and why, and it's kind of beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's, so mm. that, that is part of the importance because yeah. people need to know about these amazing women and what they're sort of doing. Mm. Yeah, that yeah, that was actually my next question, yes. how we as uh, K and also yeah. all, uh, all our uh, followers can um, help. So so we definitely link to that. Yeah. So so is the plan, obviously, you launching those 10 in New York? We're launching the 10 in New York and then we'll also, la- we'll also do at the same time the portrait exhibition, which is part of the study of the bronzes, yeah. except we did a slightly different style. We did the fabrics and the paint for these yeah. portraits. And then we're continuing because every Every day people send us their suggestions for more yep. women. Yep. So we're going to continue with the portraits. And obviously when we get funding, we can do more and more statues. I mean, yeah. that's the aim. Yeah. 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 It's a good news and you'll be the first to know that. One of our real heroes and one of the people that was 11th on the list was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's a Supreme Court judge in New York. And so law companies come forward and said they want to actually sponsor that. And so Ruth Bader Ginsburg's excited and she's sort of accepted that. So we're starting to work on on that one. And there's a lot of other sculptures of female sports stars that are also in the works now. So it really is happening. Mm. Wow, you're super gonna, exciting! Because yeah. that can, you know, that can be a lifetime work. Yeah, yes. yeah true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, beautiful. I'm so excited and incredibly inspired. It's beautiful. So you've said that by memorializing these women in sculpture, your hope is that they will become a visual inspiration and role model for young girls and boys to be able to look up and be inspired to follow their dreams. This is something I am really passionate about: dreaming big and chasing those dreams, which is what my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, is all about, reminding people that they can truly create the life of their dreams. I'm always amazed by how few people take time out to dream, to imagine the future they want, and then chase it, and what a massive positive impact it could have on the world if people did more of that. With that in mind, I would love to know what is one dream each that you would write down if you knew anything was possible. If you had all the money, the time, the resources you needed, and you couldn't possibly fail to achieve any of them, what would be one dream each? My dream would definitely have to be, I mean, we weirdly enough, we kind of talked about this the other day. We said, what would happen if millions of dollars fell in our lap. I think we were talking about Bezos and his wife and how much money she had. And I was saying, okay, she's giving it all to charity. What would I do? I said to Mark, I would definitely want to do something with animals in Africa. Mm. I mean, Mark and I go back to Africa every year. I grew up in Africa and another one of the projects we do is all about conservation. And that's a huge part of our art. And I said to Mark, if I had those millions, I would definitely go to Africa. My dream would be to start up my own conservancy and try and save the rhinos and the ellies or do do something with them yeah so that would be definitely a a massive massive dream of mine that is a beautiful dream yeah yeah. When Julie was very young, sadly, she saw a, uh, a rhino, sorry, an elephant killed before her very eyes and so it was very disturbing and when I met her she told me that she was going to make it her life's mission to make sure that doesn't happen again and so we're very, very lucky that that I also spent a lot of time in Africa, uh, in fact, with Jane Goodall when I was younger. Yeah. And so we also had the art in common, but we also had the, the conservation in common, and we've made our mission now. We started a project called Love the Last, which was it's a four-year uh, project so far in saving endangered species. Yeah. And so, you know, for you, for to answer your question as well, that's what Julie and I would like to do is actually have a conservancy in Africa dedicated to endangered species and and have all the funds mm. going into protecting them because they need so much protection, they don't need, they? they? To be honest, they need all the help they can get. Yeah. And and like even recently you saw that the last Malaysian yeah. male rhino died and now there's only one female. So every day with, with all the things that are happening with climate and human-wildlife conflict and everything that's happening in Africa these and in Malaysia and all around the world, these yeah. animals don't have much of a chance unless we step in and do something. 
Beautiful mm. dreams, both of you. And also, <laughs> I have no doubt that you guys will be very close to achieve that. So really oh, amazing cool. and so Be inspiring fun. oh thank you and so do you feel that you are living your dream life now i mean i know you you haven't got to all all your dreams but that's part of life like we should dream all but do you feel like you're living your dream yeah, life now definitely i i mean we wake up every day like we said before our whole life with our work our work and our personal life and our family life is all intertwined yeah. in one big group so it doesn't really feel like it's work or like a job yeah. so i definitely feel like for me, this is the happiest I've ever been. Like, I feel totally fulfilled. Do you feel the same yeah, way? Yeah, you, you, it's kind of really interesting that before we started doing this interview, you were mentioning how important it is to actually, you know, write down dreams. Yeah. And Julie and I actually just did that about three years ago. We sat down and we said, you know, clean slate, um, open a new page of a book. If we could actually write what is our dream, what would our life look like year by year, we said we would really like to travel, but travel with a purpose. So we didn't want to go to some sort of island and sit there and, and just get burnt. We wanted to go places where we could make a difference and learn and help and educate ourselves. So we decided then that um, every year we're going to do a couple of trips where we're going to well, – last year we went to India. We spent time in Ranthambore, which is um, a tiger reserve. So we spent time with tigers. We spent time with orangutans earlier on this year. Our life was actually was written down that we're going to spend as much time as we can seeing every single endangered species on this planet before they're extinct forever or do something to save them. And that, you know, we've got a page of literally hundreds of animals that we need to see. And that was what was really important to us. And that was written down. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I love that. What a gorgeous dream and very inspiring for our listeners to hear that because that's obviously a, a big dream. But um, again, I think mm. that it's absolutely something you guys will make well, I happen. I think also everyone's going to say, you know, and you said this before, oh, that's great. You've got money to go and do that. And the truth is not really. And because you're able to plan something, you work out how to make it happen. And, and you made a really, really good point. You do need to write it down and you need do need to plan it. You need to go, how are you going to incorporate this mm. into your life? Because it doesn't just happen. And financially, you can find ways to do it as long as you're planning ahead the whole time. Like we said, we don't, we don't go to Noosa, sit by the pool. Or we don't do any of those trips. We save up and we'll do one really important trip. Yeah. That means something to us. Yeah. I love true. that. You know, yeah. it's when I came to Australia, I had a friend who said, well, I can only afford to go home every – Every, not every year and for me it was really important what it was part of my dream list to start with to be able to go home once a year yeah, nice. and so I said to her I'm not going to accept that I can't it's like how am I going to afford that and then you work that out and I think that's really much part of the dreaming so yeah. you know don't think about how you know I have the questions like if you couldn't fail if you had all the money resources knowledge yes. and all that what would you actually do and then you you put work that without the limitations yeah. and then you work yeah. out how to do it so i love that we're in line something that i saw on um, one of the interviews you guys have done and was that i think you said mark and um, i might not say it perfectly the way but you said that it was you found that there was no rules in in art anymore and i love i love that because that's not just in art obviously mm-hmm. it's in life because yeah, i think so many of us grew up you know maybe going to a good school or go to parents that you know or have parents that are perhaps a bit set in their way of how things should be when you you know like you know you know you were saying exactly, that about yeah. art yeah. and um, when i heard you say that i felt like that was a really good message to talk about not just mm. in art but obviously in life yeah. that there is no such a thing no. as rules like you can do anything if you really want I think we learned that just taking risks and going for things has made such a huge difference for us. And in the beginning, when we first started out as artists and we were with the one gallery and having the one show a year and following all the rules in the rule book, nothing was happening. Yeah. And we weren't feeling fulfilled and we weren't really doing everything that we wanted to do. When we stepped out of that mold and yeah. just broke the rules a little bit and started our own gallery and did things the way that we wanted to do things that's when things really started to happen for us so I would say that to anyone out there like don't feel like you have to be on that path that you know you're forced to go on this path that is the right way to do things there is no right way to do things it's just following your heart and and just really going for things and taking risks and not being scared and you know a lot of the time we fail in the things that we do 
And then you get up again and you learn from that experience and next time you do it better. So I think all the failures we've had, and there are a lot of them, have taught us so much. And I think, yeah, it's all been an amazing, you know, life experience and learning curve, hasn't it? Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah. I think what what Tilly and I say say is this, is the, the rules are basically like a road. And if everyone's following the same rule, then it's a very, very crowded, busy road and it's very hard to get anywhere. So by going, okay, I'm not, I'm not on that road. I'm going to go a completely different direction for everyone else. The good thing is you haven't got much competition and no one else is there. The bad thing is no one's there. So you're doing it all by yourself and it's uncharted territories. But that's kind of exciting. And Julie said as well, God, we've failed. We've failed so many times horrific fails i mean mm. especially in doing sculpture and all that it's really expensive and you're, you're working with big pieces of machinery and we've had so many sleepless nights where we thought this is a complete mm. disaster and mm. what, what are we doing mm. like we're so out of our depth we don't know what we're doing but you learn mm. you learn so much from this you do you learn so much yeah i can so relate to that and i yeah. think um, <laughs> so ariana huffington is one of my role models um in the world and she's in my book sharing yeah. her yeah. story i think um, i might not say it exactly but she's saying uh, that failure is Beautiful. not the opposite to success it's a stepping stone to i success. think so and i, I really truly so. believe that yeah. and as long as you not make the same mistakes over and over (laughs) we always had in the business because obviously we'd made loads of mistakes Mm. as well and a lot of them has been great because you as long as you learn from them and you don't do them again and sometimes Mm. it takes you to a new direction which is really exciting so it does yeah so great sum so i think we covered a lot of this but i'm just going to see in case you have anything more because you've said so much great stuff already (laughs) so in my book i challenge readers to explore the idea wouldn't it be amazing if you could make a living or spend a large part of your life following your purpose and doing what you really love. You both seem to be doing this. So I would love to know if you have any advice for our listeners about how they can make that happen for themselves. So obviously you were saying before that you, and I feel so so in line with this because what you do is, you know, you have your family and you have your work and it's all and your art and it's all kind of combined together. So what kind of advice would you give to our listeners how they can have that as well because you know some of our people that we come across will be you know having a career that you know they kind of like but then they their life is not as exciting or they have a really exciting life but they don't love their their career so how can how can we help people living more I think what helped Mark and I so much is that when we joined forces and became one in a way like we went on the same path like I feel like when we first met we weren't on the same path exactly we were side by side but I feel like when we joined forces and became true partners in our work that has changed everything for us you know when Mark and I do our work and we travel and we're with our family we're always in it a hundred percent yeah so I never feel resentful towards him or worried that he's not spending enough time with me and vice versa so I feel like having that bond with my partner and my lover and my husband and my, you know, and the father to my children for me has been like a huge benefit to my life. Yeah. So obviously it's not going to be possible for every couple for them to have that, to be on exactly the same path as your partner in life. But I feel like from my point of view, that's been something that's helped me a lot. Yeah. 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 Like hugely. It, it kind of what you said before as well, like when your husband was working with you, that was so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of um, course it really helps when you yeah. kind of work together yeah. because you, you don't have to have formal meetings because you kind of, you know, when you're brushing yeah, teeth, you can ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. absolutely. So yeah. I really love that and I'm grateful and I think that that's just been a life changer for me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and also everything that obviously that you guys are doing in terms of, you know, studying the animals and that's all coming back. So it's all really aligned. And I think that is like the most amazing, like that's what I would call like Mm. a a dream life where you actually, what you love and what you do are all combined. And And our children are with us. Yeah. Our daughter works with us and our son, he's, you know, not exactly working here in the gallery, but he's also with us. So I feel like... We're all on that same path. My whole uh, my whole family is there, yeah. so I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Yeah, I feel like it's all here. Yeah. So, I mean, I would that that would be the advice that I that I give people to the people that you love around you. You know, it it's great if they can be involved in 
what you do and you do it yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, doing something with your partner is very powerful. I yeah. Think. yeah. Yeah. And family. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone would agree with that because yeah. some, some of my friends no. say, I would kill my <laughs> husband if we work together. So, so I think I it's, uh, I yeah. but yeah. it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it takes, mm. you know, a bit of art to work with your partner yeah. and you have to make it work and it's different for everyone, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But it's amazing to hear that it works so well for yeah, you. Yeah. Everything Julie said, I agree. But I, I just, I just thought for a lot of people, that what we've got is a long way away from where they're at. And so going back to where we sort of started, I remember like it was tomorrow, there was a point in my life where I was really, really at rock bottom, like so down. And I thought, I can't, I can't see daylight. I just saw this hole and no future, nothing positive. And Julie bought me one of those um, cards, greeting cards. And it was the ones that, do you remember about, I think it was about 20 years ago, it came out black with all these quotes, ones, yeah, the yeah. black and white quotes. Yeah. And everyone started giving each other quotes, inspirational quotes. Now now everyone just sort of… Love quotes. Right so inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> this is just when it started. And it was, it was the card uh, written by or quoted by Winston Churchill, which was never, ever, ever, ever give up. And Julie gave that to me. And, and she wrote me something really, really sweet inside. I remember I got it and I stuck it on the ceiling of my study. And every time I felt so shit and I'm going, what the hell am I doing? And I looked up on that ceiling and I saw the postcard that said, never, ever give up. And, you know, maybe four or five times a day, I would look at that and it just kept me going to the next day and to the next day. And so it became a lot of a motto for me and Julie both and everything that we do, we just didn't give up. Mm. So I can say like with a hundred percent certainty that if you don't give up, eventually something's going to go right. It's, it's when you give up that you know it's finished. That's obvious. As soon as you give up, it's over. Yeah. When you keep going, there's always hope. There's always a chance that something's around the corner, and, and it always does. There's always something that happens, even if it seems small at the time. And so someone sitting here right now and going, whatever your dream is, just don't give up on it. Just sort of keep going. It may change a little bit and you may modify it, but just don't give up on it. And if it takes two years, if it takes 20 years, it doesn't really matter. But sure enough, if you do give up, it's gone. Yeah, love that. That is beautiful. And I could not agree more. And I think, you know, I often talk about, um, I mean, I get asked about, you know, starting your own business. And I really do think that not giving up because, mm, you know, most, you know, I don't know what the percentage, but it's a high percentage of yeah. small businesses failing to start with. Years, yeah. yeah, And I really do think like don't give up and don't say no, say how. There's always a way if you want it. Yes. But, you know, yeah. it takes a few times and you have to true, move it around. True, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, we have that on our wall, yeah. don't say no, say how. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's, good. That's, a that's a great quote. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah. And I, do, I use it. At work, but I also use it personally, yeah. and it's amazing how many no's you get. And it's all it's when I say I don't take no for an answer, it's like I don't, it's 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 about win win, yeah. so it's never yeah. about just me. Yeah. So yeah. it's just to clarify that because it sounds a bit arrogant, just like <laughs> I don't take no for an answer, but it's uh, it's actually a really it really helped me in so, so many good. so many ways. Actually, we heard another really good mm. quote the other day, it was similar to that, but it's a twist on it, and it was by another artist who's, who's very, very successful in New York, and he said, Keep saying yes until one day where you can say no that's kind of a really nice quote as well until the day you can and, say yeah. no yeah, that's yeah, it yeah yeah, yeah. meaning Love don't say yeah, no to yeah. anything no, until yeah you, absolutely you're at the point yeah. where you can you say can no say, yep. not no. doing that now yeah absolutely that's, good. that's a good one yeah. yeah who said that i can't even remember now um, that was good well, yeah it's yeah. good yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the beginning, you have to do all those things. That's right. And then you it's can start choosing. It's part of the journey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we, yep. it was so funny. We, we, I remember Julie and I, mm. people would ask us with commissions, can you make a 40-foot sculpture out of steel, which we had no idea how to do. And we like, yes. go, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we looked at each other and we go, how are we going to do this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think actually, I mm. think it's Richard Branson also, also say, like, just if there's an exciting opportunity, just say yes just and then, say yes. And then yeah. work out. And yeah. actually and one, work my, out. One, mm. one of my friends, Friends, I think Dad said, and I, I think we really took that on at Kiki K, was that take a big bite and chew like hell. That's and I good. really feel like we've been doing that <laughs> as well. So I know, no doubt you guys have as well. Mm. Okay, so we've spoken about this. Given all your successes over the years, there have been lots of ups and downs. What would you say are the biggest obstacles that you've faced and what lesson came out of it? A lot of the obstacles are money. And that's just like a reality check of anything that we do especially in art, to, to make things or to keep going or to be able to pay for your overheads, it just costs a lot. Yeah. 
And there's so much more we could do, and that goes for everybody, if you had if you had more money. Mm. Julie and I wanted to make the, the largest – sorry, we're very passionate about whales. Yep. So a, a blue whale is 100 feet, which is about 35 meters. So we want to make a life-size bronze whale. And it was going to cost us a couple of million dollars, which we just didn't have. Yeah. And no one was going to give it to us. And so we desperately, desperately go, we really wanted to make this. It'd be so important for people to see it. But we just can't financially afford, afford mm. to do it. And even though we've gone around and tried to find helpers and all that, no one's, no one's there doing that. So that's an obstacle. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think in in the beginning, the art world as it is was a bit of an obstacle to us in that we had to break free of that to get where we are now. And we didn't realize that we could yeah. at the time. So I felt like we had to stay doing things the right way and having exhibitions the right way and entering these competitions and doing everything the way that, you know, it kind of was in society, in, here in society. And... Uh, we were kind of frightened to break that mold as well because once we broke it, there was kind of no going back yeah. with galleries and things like that. So I felt like that held us back for a long time that we were too scared to just really just say, let's just do it yeah. and just go for it. And even, you know, if something goes wrong, never mind, let's just take that jump. So I think that did hold us back maybe 10 years, yeah, a long time. Yeah. And it was only when we really you know, released ourselves of all of those ties and felt like we could just do it on our own, that things really started to happen, I think. Mm. It's kind of, it's kind mm. of like really interesting, just saying that's a really interesting segue because mm. I think that women are faced with so many obstacles and it's really just mentally removing those obstacles and believing those obstacles mm. shouldn't be there empowers you to go ahead and, and do things. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the same way as, as art exists, it's kind of ironic that art should be about freedom should be about mm. thinking openly and yet it's so restrictive in what you can and can't do mm. where you can exhibit what is good art what isn't or bad like, art or like even an artist like us having our own website artists don't do that you know they have it's the galleries that have the websites and they sell your work and so even doing that part just that tiny little part caused a lot of problems seems crazy yeah. doesn't it yeah. like in today's age yeah, yeah. it does yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But you're good role models for that, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think all all young artists should get out there and just, you know, try do it themselves and and not be frightened. Yeah, you know, and I think in this day and age, you can. Yeah. You have social media. You have, you know, access to getting your own website and yeah, starting your own little gallery. I mean, there's so many ways that you can do it. Yeah. You don't have to just follow this one track. No. Yeah, and, and and you yourself are an amazing case study. Yeah, oh, you know thank your your you. business. Yeah. It's so it unique. is phenomenal. How many people told you it wouldn't work? Oh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> I decided not to listen. <laughs> so I get told, you know, and there's always, a, I have this thing that's like life is 50-50. There's 50% negative and 50% positive. So in every positive, there is 50% negative. And then every positive, there's a negative. There's a negative not to listening to people because people think you're arrogant or whatever. But there's also positive because you wouldn't go That's places right. if you listen to everyone. So I truly believe that, yeah, that you need to, um, you need to listen to learn and taking what is right for you, yeah. but then, um, yeah. yeah, break free and yeah. do what, yeah. You know, when I, when I started people, because it was a price driven category, a stationery, yeah. and, yes. um, and it was, in my view, badly designed and bad quality and everyone's thought I was going to compete with a big, yeah. you know, box retailers yeah. that just yeah. sold things yeah. for big offices. And I'm like, no, no, this is different. And yeah. then, you know, they're like, we don't need another news site. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be a news site. And so mm. it was funny how, yeah. how I had to go through a lot of that. But but that's um, that was yeah. also very exciting because I felt like I'm just going to show them. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of learnings along the mm. way, that's for sure. I'd love to finish off this first. Can I just say it's been so incredibly inspiring. I could speak for hours, but I'd love to finish off by asking you a few quick questions that I know our listeners would love to hear you answer. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? You mean to my granddaughter? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 100%. Mm. And this is, this is really good. And Julie, you can take over mm. here. It's the advice we've given our son and it took a lot of learning. So Ben uh, felt that he had to, when he finished HSC, had to do all the things that would give him a career and give him a job and give him, and he uh, went down the a, a route of 
doing videography. Mm-hmm. And although it was creative, he wasn't really passionate about that. Here's a really interesting thing. His whole life, and this is to everybody out there, his whole life, he loved music. From a little kid, he played music and loved music and was in bands and loved music and more than anything else. And we should have stepped in and also telling people, your passion, it's really obvious that that is your life. So all you need to do is work out what do you love doing more than anything else in the whole world and then do it for the rest of your life and don't do anything else. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. I love that. I have yeah. a whole chapter about that. I um, mean, that we're telling book. our son that every day now to, to do what he wants to do yeah. and do what he loves and, and that's all that matters. Yeah. And, and and if you love something enough, you'll be able to make it in, yeah. in this world, I yeah. reckon. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, and it's been written so many times, but when you're passionate about doing something, you do it in your sleep. You do it when you wake up in the morning. You do it in your lunch break. Mm. So guess what? You get really, really good at doing it. Mm. And when you're really good at doing something, it becomes easy, not just something you enjoy, and you succeed. succeed. And that's the same with our art. And that's true because going back to our son, Ben, even though he was doing video and earning money from it, when he was at home, all he was ever doing was playing his music. And we were kind of saying, well, it's crazy. He never, ever picks up a video outside of having to work. His real passion is music, so that's yeah. what he's doing now, yeah. and it's the right it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so it's so good and it's so in line uh, with yeah. what we do because I really truly believe that, especially if you're going to start a business. Yeah, if you're not passionate, like you need to love it. You like need I, to I, love I used it. to be like so mm. excited when all my girlfriends were going to the races. Um, yeah, I was going to the warehouse and retidying it and looking at and the you products. Loved that, yeah. And I loved it so much. I used to go to the shop when it was closed with a bottle of red, and I used to re-merchandise the whole shop and used to drive Paul in you know mad because he's like you know we're there like four yeah. in the morning and I said you can just sit at the computer or something and I, I was redoing really I said I'm just gonna do one bay mm-hmm. and then of course the whole store was oh. redone but I loved it loved so him. I think yeah, um, passion is so, so yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah so you're missing it now no it's because I have evolved like so vision merchandising was really and design was really my passion to start with that was part of my dream list but, but you were a designer no I wasn't okay. um but now my passion is really to inspire people. My big yeah, dream is to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams and make them happen. Uh, well, make three dreams happen. The reason for doing that is because I meet so many people like you guys and who are living, you know, their passionate dream yeah, life. Yeah. And I meet so many people who don't. And I really feel like us as a business and yeah. me personally yeah. can inspire people to do that. So, so everything that I do now is like, you know, I read about personal development and biographies and meet people like you guys and I learn every day and I want to share that. So right. so I don't go to shops anymore re-merchandising, um, but I, I would read, like on a Saturday night when yeah. people go out to restaurants, I'll be reading a book. So, so I'm very nice. boring. So nice. I think we're, <laughs> we're, 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 we're boring too. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I think, yeah. you know, oh, that's, that's a passion. Nice. So yeah. that's what yeah. I do. Yeah. Do you have any daily habits or rituals that you practice regularly to enable you to stay focused and live your dream life? We exercise every day. Yes, great. Yes, both of us together. So it's something that we we that's one thing that we never omit in a day. Yeah, exercise, and I think that you just have to have a break. And the way that we have a break is we go for a run and we go to the gym or we work out, we train. Yeah, and that is something we do every day. We also have a dog, so we walk our dog. And I think living outside and being around our dog and exercising is a huge part of our lives as yeah. well. Yeah. Beautiful. And also we made, it's kind of interesting you say that because I wasn't even aware of that until you brought it up mm. and, and raised those questions. Mm. And so we did it subconsciously. But we decided how to make each day better. And this is about a year and a half ago because we're rushing to get dressed and having to come to the studio and it was all, it was all, a, it was all a rush. So he said, why don't we make a point of having breakfast somewhere nice every single morning? And We have breakfast together. Yeah, yes. every single morning we go somewhere and have breakfast before we come to work. And it's a great way to start the day because we can have conversations. Um, we can work out what we're going to do. We can digest food properly without... Mm. We actually have out. exactly the same routine because we have, bre- <laughs> we have breakfast together and then we go to the gym together and then we have lunch together and then we have dinner together. We're pretty much... In exactly the yeah. same routine every we're day, like, right? We, so we, we, we got worried a while ago that maybe mm. we're really antisocial and we don't <laughs> see anyone or anything like that. But then we kind of got to the point where, well, you know, often when you go out with people and you don't really know them that well mm. and the conversation's not that great, you go, maybe I've got better 
things to do and I have to be so worried that you have to be out mm. all the time partying and going to, you know, entertaining things. And that goes back to your point about sort of breaking the rules. It's like everyone's different and it's okay to recognize in yourself what's important to you. Mm. And we realize that going out to dinner with lots of people that we don't know isn't really important to us. Yeah. Yeah, I have a chapter in my book about designing your days and some people think that's really overwhelming but I, I was encouraging the people who read my book to really think about, you know, if they could choose one day, like so for example Sunday, most yeah. people who who are working Monday to Friday have Sundays off and so I started to inspire people to think about just, you know, your perfect Sunday and there's no such thing as perfect of yeah. course but if you could have your you yes, know, dream yes, Sunday, what yes. would that look like? And, and I started with Sundays because it's my favorite day yeah. because I have a thing where I don't have any unless it's like a you know family birthday party yeah, yeah. or something like that I do no bookings like no brunch no nowhere to go so I can just get up read you know be with the family and just have it because I'm at home because I travel so much when I'm home I just love it so so um, that's really inspiring to hear because um, you have um, you know having going to uh, an inspiring cafe is actually yeah, part yeah. of my Fridays oh, I love that yeah <laughs> so I try to um, I go to school assembly on Fridays and then I try to go to a new cafe or a healthy cafe or something that I would want to go to and that's really nice so super inspiring so we already spoke a little bit about this because you mentioned the notebook but do you have a favorite kiki k product or any stationary product that you can't live without to be honest all your products are to die for i live in your shop in westfield seriously i pretty much buy a card in there for every single anything birthdays absolutely everything your cards i die for them they're just beautiful and simple and just say it as it is don't you think yeah but all of your wedding stationery every single thing in there is really really beautiful but i would say your cards catch me the most yeah and i think it's just the little drawings and your little messages that are just divine oh thank you and i'm I'm not going to have the title down pat but when it was Julie's 50th birthday and I want to give away your de- uh, your age but when it was Julie's you just said I'm in my 50s <laughs> <laughs> there was a book that you that you had and it was write down 50 messages or something like that in the book and I got that and I knew it was really important to do something personal for, for Julie so I filled in every single page in that book with a message and then I gave that to Julie out of all the things I've given Julie it was a 40th yeah. sorry <laughs> It was the 40th. It was the 40th, 40th, was it? It was 40th. Oh, it was the 40th. Okay. Yeah, I had Oops. 40 messages. Oh, you're not 50 yet, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, but anyway, it was really good, right? Yeah, it was really good. There's nothing like a personal mm. uh, handwritten yeah. message. Yeah, and I love cards. Like, like cards yeah. is my – and I think – you know, to keep it's so easy to just send a little text message no, for birthday, but we it's do just car- not. No, yeah. I stick with cards. Yeah, cards, yeah. it's really you nice. got to have it on paper. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, being an avid reader, I'm particularly interested to know what's your favorite book and why. I'm a big non-fiction lover, so I love. I'm the same as you. I like all the inspiration books. Actually, and I both are big fans of Malcolm Gladwell, and so The Outliers is one of our favorite books. Yeah. And really goes to the point, you know, when you're doing something and you keep doing it and keep doing it, you just get very, very good at it. And what what I also loved about that book as well, you know, people like when I talked about the Beatles, you didn't come out and just say, these guys are geniuses. It just said they basically did music more than anyone else and they got really, really good at it. And why I think that's such an important message, you know, for all the listeners out there is you don't have to be a music genius or you don't have to be Bill Gates or you don't have to be all these incredible minds. Anyone can be fantastic at anything as long as you keep doing it and, and do it long enough. You get you get great at it. Yeah. And Malcolm talks a lot about yes. the 10,000 rule, uh, yes. hours rules Yeah, yes. that you can become a genius yes. in, in anything you want you to if you… If, it's true, isn't it? And that's where passion comes in because you can't do something you don't like for 10,000 hours. No, so, right, yeah, so it's yeah. all combined. No, so, yeah. yeah, it's perfect. Okay, one last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I think as a teenager, you without the life experience, you feel very confused about who you are and unconfident as a person. Yeah. And I feel, and you're very, you're, you know, even when I look at my son, you know, he's so worried about who he is and what's going to happen and where is life going to take him. And I think that I would tell myself to follow my dreams and to do them exactly what you say, Christina, but also to have confidence and not be frightened. Because I think as a child, because you don't know anything, I mean, I think life experience is so wonderful because. You know, now in my 50s, I feel like I'm the most confident I've ever been. But it takes 
it took all of that experience to get to this point. So I would like to be able to tell, you know, and I tell my daughter and my son these things now to try and help them. But I realize, you know, they've kind of got to go through yeah, the steps. Yeah, need to go through the journey. You know? yeah. And even our daughter giving birth, she became a whole different person just yeah. in three weeks because yeah. she's now a mum. Yeah. So I'd say to myself to, you know, have confidence with who you are and don't be frightened of, you know, what's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful advice. How about you, Max? That was really nice. <laughs> it's funny because I... I remember, it's going to sound strange, but I remember when I was around 17, I always, always believed things are going to work out for me. Like I just thought at 17, things are going to work out for me. At 18, I thought things are going to work out for me. And at 19, I thought things are going to work out for me. I remember then getting to university, I realized just thinking things are going to work out and not actually doing anything about it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I love that. No, nothing like taking action, eh? <laughs> That's good. I love it's, confidence. I love it's that. true. And then it was the worst wake-up call of my whole life where I go, oh, my God, it doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen by itself. And so the biggest advice I can give to my younger self is realize that everything that happens to you, you've got to make, make happen itself. Anything, nothing happens by itself. Even good luck doesn't happen by itself. You've got to go out and make it. What a great way of finish this incredibly inspiring conversation. I totally agree. I often get the question about, you know, your dream life and I'm, I'm saying you can write down your dreams forever, but it's not until you take action every single it's day true. Very or, true. You know, to make the dreams come true. So that was a perfect way of ending. First, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you, I know Christina. You, you are so, your life is so full, so I am very much appreciate that you take, took the time. And I have made a dream come true today because I had you on my list oh. on, my, uh, on my dream people. So there's in oh, my book, lovely. there's 101 people to meet and you guys were oh, on that. Oh, that's so, that's so and, nice. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I'm now ticking off a dream, but also oh, thank, thank you, you for thank the you. inspiration that you are giving to all of us and uh, what you do to the world in terms of helping animals and equality and uh, inspiring others is truly inspirational Thank and you. I'm super grateful and I cannot wait to be seeing you in New York no, on the 26th and obviously help you continue spreading this incredible message for you all this that you do is very inspiring so thank you so Thank much. you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. I am just so inspired after that chat. Gillian and Mark are such a wonderful people bringing about such a wonderful change in the world. Truly inspiring. I encourage everyone to check out the Statues of Equality website to get behind this amazing project and vote for other women you would like to see immortalized in bronze. And don't forget the unveiling of these 10 inspiring statues on August 26, Women's Equality Day. After speaking with Gillian Mark, one of the things that really resonated with me was the advice they gave to their son about figuring out what you love to do and focusing on what you are passionate about, not just following a path or what you think you should do. Personally, my own journey is very aligned with this in terms of finding what I love and pursuing that as my career. And in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, you find chapters that will help you find and follow your own passions. If you haven't got a copy of it yet, it's full of simple steps to help you on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. And if you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty of more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would also love your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this inspiring message by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.